Today, we get to hear from a guest evangelist. We get to hear from one of our very own interns because a part of our developing of leaders and raising up leaders here through our training center and through our ongoing leadership development classes that we have is to give people an opportunity to step into ministry right now. And so in doing so, we've got these interns that first-year interns um, get the opportunity to preach one shortened 10-minute service. Uh, and we just do a 10-minute message, and they get the experience of being up here. But second-year interns, which is what David is, uh, they get to preach an entire message, a 30-minute message, uh, as a part of their responsibility, but to get some experience in teaching from the front and understanding the weight of responsibility that falls on you when you stand behind the sacred desk. When you begin to teach God's Word, man, you're representing Him as an ambassador for Jesus Christ, and it's a very big, humbling responsibility. And then year three interns will be not just preaching one message, but they'll be preaching all of the gatherings that we have on a single weekend, which it's really quite a bit to be able to preach three or four times on a weekend, and uh, so they'll, they'll get that experience as well. So today, we get to hear in the, in the 11 o'clock gathering from David Carl. David is one of our interns. He's also my, we're, to, we're looking at, I think, around 78, 80 days, something like that. David will become my son-in-law as he's going to be marrying my daughter. I'm excited about that. So we love David. We're very proud of him. Let me give you a little coaching as, as your lead pastor. Let me coach you just a little bit, as I say every time. Listen, we need to be generous with our applause, generous with our amens, generous with our nodding. This is not the time to get on Facebook. This is not the time for you to be dialing into anything other than what God. You're here today. Maybe you thought you were coming to hear somebody else. But you're here today because God orchestrated your steps in such a way and pulled down strongholds that you would be here to hear this message at this time on this day. And I think it's going to help you. So listen to what God has. Give him your full attention and, uh, and make sure that we're um, supporting as we're raising up leaders here at New Life Church. Can somebody say amen? Let's welcome David Carl as he preaches the word of God. Well, good morning. That's a, that's a good introduction. Thank you. Um, so my future brother-in-law, Matt, told me that if I get nervous just to picture Pastor Brian in his underwear, I don't want to do that, so I'm not going to be nervous. <laughs> okay, um, so I'm going to start off by kind of telling you a little bit about me when I was in elementary school and when I was growing up. Um, I, was, I was the weird kid. Do I have any weird kids in the room? Anybody weird? Okay, you guys aren't raising your hands, but I know you're weird. And Anthony, I didn't see you, but your hand better. Oh, there you are. It better have been up. Yeah, okay. Uh, but I was like, I was extra weird in elementary school. Um, and so the cool kids didn't like me, but I wanted to be cool. Um, and so they used to pick on me, but that's really unfortunate because it didn't really mix well with my short man's complex. Um, so I was little, but I, I was like vicious. I was like a pit bull. Um, it didn't take a lot to get my blood to boil. And so I used to get in all these fights and, but not like the kind of fights that are like, oh my goodness, but they're like the kind where you get into a little tussle and then you get in trouble and then you go up to the office and then you're crying really hard because you don't want to get in trouble again. And that was me. So um, there's one other problem with these fights. I didn't know how to fight. Um, so I would, I would start fighting and then I would go crazy and then hopefully somebody would break it up. <laughs> You know how it is. But I feel like sometimes that's how we feel when we try to fight against the enemy and when we're trying to, trying to fight it against our own sin. Um, so we're going to try to learn how to take care of that today. Um, would you pray with me? 
Father God, you've already anointed the words, God. I just ask that you would anoint the ears so that they hear what you want, to, want them to hear, God. In Jesus' name. So this past year, I've actually I've taken lessons to learn how to fight. <laughs> I've taken the, the lessons here at CVBA, at, here at the church, the Taekwondo lessons. And through research and experience, I've learned and experienced that there's three elements to a fight. The first element is the physical element. So that's your endurance and your toughness and things like that. The second element is your technical element. Technical element is your techniques or your weapons and how you use them. And then third is your tactical element, which is your strategy and how you put it all together to make sure that you come out as the winner. So theoretically, if you were to train all of these better than your opponent and you'd put the work in and you train very, very hard, you should come out on top. Well, Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that our opponent is the devil. Ephesians 6.11 says, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take the stand against the devil's schemes. So the Bible describes the devil as our adversary, the deceiver, the tempter, the dragon, the father of lies, the ruler of darkness, ruler of demons. Now, don't be mistaken. These are not accolades. They're not achievements. They're warnings. They're red flags. So continue in Ephesians. Um, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against your wife. It's not against your husband. It's not against your kids or your parents. Your battle is against the enemy for your soul. And his main target is your mind. Um, how do I know that? Well, I know that a broken arm won't get you to hell. I know that cancer won't get you to hell. I know that your medical diagnosis won't get you to hell. What will get you to hell is taking you out of a relationship with Jesus Christ. So our enemy is going to focus his limited power to try to break up that relationship. He's going to try to convince you that God doesn't exist. He's going to try to convince you that God doesn't love you. He's going to try to convince you that you're broken, that you're useless, that you're just an addict, or you're a failure. So how do we win? How do we, how do we defeat this opponent? Well, first we need to fix our endurance. Bad endurance is the reason that you can come to church on Sunday, but by Tuesday you're back to living the old life again. Bad endurance is the reason that as soon as you encounter trouble, you give in to the temptation. You know, there, it's kind of ironic that Trin mentioned this in, in her little speak this morning. Um, there seems to be one promise from God that everybody seems to agree on and they don't have a problem with. And that's in this world you're going to have trouble. Nobody seems to have a problem with that one. But the problem with that problem is that you can't take a punch. I can't take a punch. We, we have a weak chin. We don't know how to roll with the punches. There is a perfect example in the Bible of somebody that knew how to take a punch, that, that can roll with the punches. And that would be our buddy Job. Everybody knows Job. Good old Job. Um, the Bible describes Job as a blameless and upright man. It says he feared God and he shunned evil. Um, Job had a great life. Uh, he had a great family. He had a great career. Um, well, let's pick up his story in Job chapter 1, verse number 13. 
It says, One day, Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house. A messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby. And the Sabians attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I'm the only one that has escaped to tell you. Jab. That's where, that's where most of us give up. That's where we curse God and we blame him for not taking care of us. That's when we lose our church face and we give in, where our endurance runs out. Let's keep reading. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants. I am the only one that has escaped to tell you. Cross. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put your servants to the sword, and I am the only one that has escaped to tell you. Uppercut. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house. When suddenly, a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead. And I am the only one that has escaped to tell you. Hook. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin with charging God with wrongdoing. May the name of the Lord be praised. Amen? Amen. Through all the stuff that he just went through, he still praised the Lord. Man, I want, I want that endurance. So how do, we, how do we get it? How do we get it when we're tired and when we're bloodied and bruised? How do we keep going? Hope. We just need hope. The Bible tells us that in Isaiah 40, 31. It says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not be faint. So when we hope in the Lord, we're able to run with perseverance. We're able to run the race that's been marked out for us. We're able to trust that he's a lamp to our feet and not our, and our path. That's so we don't look too far ahead. And we, we, when we tend to look too far ahead, we overwhelm ourselves. Maybe you say to yourself, man, I can't raise this kid for 18 years. Well, can, can you raise him today? Maybe you say, I can't stay clean the rest of my life. Well, well can you stay clean today? That's, Matthew 6, 34 tells us that tomorrow will worry about, our, about itself, so focus on our worries for today. Today's troubles are enough for today. So when we do that, we're able to praise the name of the Lord just as Job did. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, technical. technical. That's for you, Michelle. <laughs> so there, our technical element <laughs> is about fighting back. Um, so we can have the endurance of Job, but if we don't fight back, then we're just going to stay where we're at. It, so in order to fight back, we need the right technique. This is where the enemy can kind of get a hold of us. So the world uses drugs and alcohol and social media as our way of coping with things. But that's the way the devil wants it. 
You see, you, you can do all that, but that's what separates you from God, and that's a win for the enemy. So maybe you're like me. Maybe nobody ever taught you the right technique on how to deal with your pain and how to deal with your struggles. Now you have to try to rewire your brain after all these years of doing it one way just to figure out it's the wrong way. I, un I understand. You know, I, I'm there right now. Um, but we can fix it. We can get healthy. Um, we just need the right technique. The first technique you need in your arsenal is prayer. It's probably the easiest technique that we have, but it's also probably the most overlooked. Um, there's a story in Mark chapter 9, and it describes the disciples, and they're trying to heal this, this young boy, and he can't talk because he's mute. And so they're doing all these things to try to heal this boy, and Jesus comes down from the mountain where it's presumed that he's, he's praying to God. And Jesus comes down, and he sees that the, the religious folk, they're arguing with the disciples about why is the boy not being healed? And so Jesus does what he, Jesus does, and he comes down and he heals the boy. And the disciples are wondering, Jesus, why couldn't, why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we heal him ourselves? And this was his response. Mark 9.29, it says, He replied, this kind, this kind can only come out by prayer. So I get the impression that they tried everything but prayer. Uh, but prayer needs to be our step one. This needs to be our go-to yeah. It's recorded all over the Bible, over and over, that Jesus withdrew to lonely places to pray, just him and God. So maybe that breakthrough that you've been looking for is waiting for you in a lonely place, just, just you and God. Some translations of this passage say prayer and fasting. So fasting is our second technique. Chances are, if you've overlooked prayer, you've probably overlooked fasting also. Um, but prayer and fasting are like a great one-two combo. You know, individually they're great weapons, but together they're, they're even better. Um, prayer and fasting. Fasting makes things uncomfortable. <laughs> but that's probably why we look past it, right? But a lot of the times it's necessary. When you're in extreme valley and you just don't know what to do, when you're overwhelmed with grief, when everything's going the wrong way, have you, have you fasted? Probably not. Jesus teaches us how to fast in Matthew. Chapter 16, verses 16 and 18. It says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have rece received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting. But only to your Father, who is unseen, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. What does this mean? This means don't do the flashy kicks. Don't do the tornado kick, jumping, spinning, heel kick. Don't do that. You, you can ask anybody that I've trained Taekwondo with. I love flashy kicks. They're so cool. Uh... <laughs> But the problem with that is they're not always effective. They're not always the easiest thing to do. Um, so Jesus is teaching us how to be humble and not to try to impress others when we're fasting. To wash our face so that nobody knows we're fasting but God. But it's also important to, to share our hardships with somebody. So somebody that you can trust. You need a team. 
So that's your next technique. You need somebody to pick you up when you've fallen down. And you need somebody that will fall to their knees and pray for you even when, they, when you don't know it. Ecclesiastes tells us that two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If one of them falls down, the other one can help, each, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has nobody to help him up. We all need somebody. And if you don't have that somebody, be that somebody. So your job and your purpose as the teammate is to pray and intervene for this person even when they don't know about it. You're the support. You're the, you're the prayer warrior. You're the mirror that, that reflects the light of Jesus into their darkness. The last technique I'm going to tell you about today is your Bible. It's probably the most, most complex of your techniques. It requires lots of training. Training to read it, training to understand it, and then training to use it. Most of us can't even begin to train how to use it because we haven't trained ourselves how to read it. We read it for one day and then go a month or two without reading it again. So the more you're able to read your Bible, the more that's going to be revealed to you. And then when it's revealed to you, you got to understand it. That means you got to study. It means you got to ask yourself questions like, what does this mean to me? What does it mean in the original context? What did the writer want it to mean? You got to ask yourself, what is hermeneutics? <laughs> and then once you receive that understanding, then you can begin training how to use it. Second Timothy tells us that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. This is where we tend to, tend to mess up the most. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't say all scriptures used to condemn or to wound each other. But that's what we do sometimes. Like, we see somebody that has a different sin than us, and we flip through the Bible, and we try to find a scripture that would say that they're sinning and that we can condemn them. And that's not the love that we're supposed to have for them. This passage paints the picture of love, and so that we can correct each other, so that we can grow and not wound each other. We've got, we got to remember who we're fighting against. See, the devil has this weapon too, and he, he uses it on us all the time. Um, he quotes scripture, and he takes the word of God out of context to try to trip us up. But the word of God says that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. The word of God is for you, and it's for me. The truth is not against you, so don't, don't believe the lies. Tactical. Turn to your neighbor and say, tactical. So the tactical element of our fight puts it all together in a strategy that puts us out on top. The best way to develop a strategy is to look at game tape. So when we look at game tape, we see what their opponent does good and what they do bad. We see what their tendencies are. We see what their favorite techniques are. We see what worked against them before and what we can do to work against them even better. But I want to look at one battle in particular because the, the Bible's chock full of game tape on the enemy. So turn to your Bibles if you have them to Matthew chapter 4. This battle that we're, we're going to read, it takes place right after Jesus get ba got baptized. And maybe you've, you've, you've heard this story before, but maybe you've never looked at it as a strategy guide before. So Matthew 4, starting at uh, verse 1. 
It says, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So right off the bat, we see that Jesus knew he was going to be tested. He was going to be tempted. So what did he do? He prepared himself by fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Let's continue. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. The fight's on. The enemy is challenging Jesus when the enemy perceives him to be weak. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus knew and he understood what the Bible says, and so he was able to use it. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. See, the enemy knows scripture also, but he takes it out of context and tries to trick us. And Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put your Lord God to the test. See, Jesus is the truth, and therefore he knows the truth. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Now the enemy is attacking the humanness of Jesus. We all want power. We want fame. So how does Jesus respond? He says, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. So Jesus keeps his hope in the Lord and worships him only, and then he wins the battle. So in this game tape, we see that, one, the enemy is no match for Jesus. We see that the enemy uses scripture against us. We see that the enemy attacks our power, our desire for power. We see that the enemy attacks us when we feel weak, we see that Jesus shows us that we need to study the word and we, so we know the truth. We see, we, Jesus shows us that God is the only one worth our worship. Amen. And we, we see that Jesus shows us that God will renew our strength, just as the word tells us. So the enemy didn't touch Jesus. He just attacked his mind. So we got to remember that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is not against your husband or your wife. Our battle is not against your kids or your parents. It's not against your friends, your neighbors, or, or it's not even against strangers. Your battle is against the evil forces that are attacking your mind. It's against the voices that are saying that you're not good enough. It's against the voices that are saying that you'll never get better. It's the voices saying that some things never change. So maybe you do have a broken arm. Maybe you have gotten a bad medical report. Maybe you feel broken and beaten and bruised. God still loves you. He always has and he always will. God's still for you. It always has been. So forget the lies that the enemy has been telling you. You were not abandoned. You were not damaged. 
You're not a failure. You have a hope and a future. You are chosen. You have a purpose. So would you bow your head and close your eyes with me today? Today, you're all to call simple. Some of you have been fighting the wrong battle. Some of you have been fighting against those that you're called to love. You've bought into the lies of the enemy. Some of you haven't been hoping in the Lord and you feel beaten and bruised and you feel like you can't go on another day. I understand. It's hard. So I'm going to count to three. And if you say, God, I put my hope in you. Please renew my strength. Or maybe you say, God, I've been fighting the wrong battle. Help me get back on your side. Help me get back on track. All I ask is that you raise your hand. No one's going to look at you. So I'm going to count to three. Then just ask for your hand. One, two, three. I see you, I see you, I see you. You can go ahead and put your hands down. Now maybe you, you just don't have a relationship with Jesus. And you don't, you don't know why you're here today, but it's not an accident. The Bible says that we're, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. So if that's you today and you, you want to come and experience Jesus, you want to experience the renewing of your mind, maybe you've been away from Jesus and you just want to come back. I'm going to count to three and all I ask for is your hand. One, no one's going to be looking at you. Two, three. I see you, I see you, I see you. You go ahead and put your hands down. I'm proud of you. Best decision of your life, guaranteed. Now let me pray for you. God, you are so good. God, we love you. We hope in you. You're the only one that's deserving of our praise, God. God, I thank you for the lives that you've touched today, God, and thank you for using me as a vessel. Thank you for pouring out your love on us, God. Keep us fighting the right battles, God. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. So until I see you all again, hope in the Lord. You guys are dismissed. Thank you.